an air of expectant curiosity. This kindling light of wisdom heart of the Zen Buddhist temple. As a result of this and that and that and this from the ten directions. Seeking. Shoes at the door. And just this. Just now. Just here. That's what we've always got. I'd like to read a kind of parable story poem to start with from Venerable Samasunam, who is the founder of this temple as well as four others, one in New York City, Ann Arbor, Chicago, and Mexico City. Next year will be his 50th anniversary on this continent and will be celebrated. It's called Nasty Village. Not long ago, there lived a man and a woman in a small village. One day, the man looked up at the sky yonder and found it marvelous, so he claimed that it belonged to him. The woman thought him wrong, but imitated him. She looked down to the soil and earth household and found trees, flowers, and creepy crawlies, all mysterious and beautiful. So she claimed that the earth belonged to her. Every day, the man and the woman checked the sky and the earth and blamed one another for signs of change. Since then, hostilities developed in the village. People were divided. One group to the man of sky, the other group to the woman of earth. Hatred prevailed between sky and earth. The sky group was called the nasty man. The earth group, nasty women. Finally, the village earned a new nickname, Nasty Village. In the nasty village, People had been suffering from the loss of joy and happiness. They were angry, resentful, and afraid of each other. One warm spring day, a mendicant monk, on his alms-begging trip, dropped by. He became curious how the small village got the name Nasty Village, and approached the villagers to find out. To his surprise, not only did they avoid him, but they were silent like a mute, without exception. The mendicant sensed that a disaster or collective trance had fallen upon them. With resolve, he shouted at the top of his voice, Is there anyone whom I can talk to? The mendicant's shout was loud enough to startle the village. They came out to see the intruder and pointed their finger at the nasty woman. Then they all disappeared back into their silence. The mendicant went to see the nasty woman who was waiting for him. He humbly introduced himself and apologized 
for the disturbance. I was just curious about the name of the village, but nobody would talk to me. Then with a smile, he looked up to the nasty woman. Nasty woman had been troubled by the way they lived and wanted to talk about it openly with someone for advice. She felt comfortable with the mild-mannered mendicant. She brought along a nasty man who also felt the need to seek a wise man for help. When the mendicant heard their claim that they owned the sky and the earth, he almost burst into laughter. He saw that they were innocent victims and did not know better. It occurred to the mendicant that he should help them. When the mendicant, the mendicant explained, nothing belongs to us, including the sky and earth. Even each of us does not belong to us. They appear to belong to us for a while, but not forever. If anything, we belong to sky, earth, rocks, trees, and wildflowers. Nasty men and nasty women were at first baffled. But after a while, they became greatly relieved. Nasty men said to nasty woman, that means we were completely mistaken. Looking to the mendicant, he asked, how can we remedy our wrongs? The mendicant said, be kind and nice to each other and protect and respect non-human beings. Nasty man and nasty woman were deeply affected by his teachings. They stood up and paid obeisance to the mendicant and earnestly requested that he stay with them for three days. They called a meeting in the nasty village to convey what they learned. First, they sought forgiveness from the villagers for misleading them all this while. We were ignorant. We did not know better. They apologized. Then they said, we are fortunate to be in the presence of a wise person. It would be appropriate to honor him as our teacher and request his teachings to enlighten us. So the villagers decided to prepare a big yonchi, and that's the name for party. Nice word for party, eh? Yonchi. <laughs> so the villagers decided to pre prepare a big yonchi to formally welcome the mendicant and celebrate their casual encounter. Almost overnight, Nasty Village changed beyond recognition. People were lively and invigorated, as if having woke up from a long slumber. Sparks of light were everywhere. At the well, where women poked through water, in the fields and in the chigate, eight-frame carrier, which carried bundles of pine needles, raked by young boys for fire kindling. The mendicant taught the adults the three signs of all living beings. The first sign is impermanent and change. All beings and things do not last forever. They are all subject to change. There's change of seasons, change of birth, growth, passing away, and rebirth in the physical world. Change and impermanence are necessary for circulation and progress. It is like a new opportunity for all beings to fulfill their dream, to succeed and become a great being. The second sign is non-self. It means that there's no eternal and independent self 
ego or soul within us. However, in reality, you need a temporary individual identity in order to function in everyday life. It often happens to the contrary of your expectation that your individual self would attract attachments. To counter that and promote selflessness and freedom from greed, anger, and delusion, you should be unassuming and unselfish in your conduct. The last sign is peace and happiness of nirvana, or pain and suffering. Depending how much you embody the first and second signs, either peace and happiness or pain and suffering will prevail. The mendicant enjoyed playing with children. He invited all the children of the village to play with him, the children surrounding him. He showed them how to do friendly greeting, holding both cheeks with two thumbs and wiggling fingers. Children found it comical and funny. Do you like it? asked the mendicant. There was a resounding yes. If you liked it, say ho, ho, ho. And everyone went ho, ho, ho. Everyone went ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Children addressed the mendicant, Harabaji, Grandpa Sunam. Harabaji Sunam taught the long songs for children. Covering his eyes with both hands, he said, when we sing, we are children without eyes. Plugging our ears with pointer fingers, we are children without ears. Pulling our faces smart, we are children without blame. Ha ha ha. Ha ha ha. Getting good. Ha ha ha. Ha ha ha. In the meantime, the Yanchi was ready to go. Each household prepared their best dish to honor her up. Harabaji Suna. After the Yanshi, they played games. Harabaji was content and happy to see people having become closer and nicer to each other. Dance followed the games. Toward the end of the dance, Harabaji saw with a smile young couples disappearing into the woods. <laughs> Departure time for Harabaji came. Nasty Village had learned so much from his presence. With still much to learn, they felt that his three-day stay was too short. To benefit fully from his graceful presence, Harabaji had to promise that he would return every year when the azalea and forsythia bloom. The following year, Harabaji returned to the village. Following the azaleas and forsythias in bloom, people of the village were overjoyed. To his surprise, there were a dozen new babies waiting for his blessing. In <laughs> Harabaji's annual visits, Nasty Village had gained a reputation as an environmentally friendly community for being friendly to strangers and for protecting and respecting non-human beings. After five consecutive annual visits, Harabaji did not return. Flowers of azalea and forsythia bloomed and faded but Harabaji did not come. Nasty Village was alarmed. They set out looking for him. They found him on the mountain pass where he passed away, climbing with his cane, facing toward the Nasty Village. The whole village wept. People of the Nasty Village buried Harabaji Sunam on the side of the mountain pass. Above, they built a mound and planted azalea 
and Forsythia. They called the pa this pass Harabaji Boj Pass. Each spring, when Azalea and Forsythia bloom, they would visit Harabaji Goj to remember his teaching. Be kind and nice to each other. Lo and behold, and this is Sunami said at the end, if you wish to see your Buddha within, find peace in hardship. If you want truth in the changeable world, be happy among the living. If you need a life companion, be worthy. Never too late for love and compassion. Look, a wild turkey family traveling through the snow. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> <laughs> Very good spirit. You all should, ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. I think Harbaji Sunam went around with a lot of ha, ha, ha. <laughs> to say, but sometimes, you know, just that might be enough. <laughs> no? Yeah. So, let it be. Yeah. I'm just going to, um, I think I'll just do a couple of things, actually. But not as long as I thought. One is that um, I wanted to um, just, besides what Venerable Samusunam revealed to you in the teachings, I wanted to read um, from this book just a little bit. It's by Bhikkhu Bodhi, and it's, I think it's really worthwhile if you're interested in Buddhism. He's an excellent scholar, translated a lot of the original scriptures, and this particular collection is on social and communal harmony. And so he's collected all the Buddhist teachings on social and communal harmony. And they're fascinating reading. They really are. And they're not only fascinating reading, but it's very interesting to see practices that we can do that are in this book. So let me just read to you the, the categories of the whole book. One is on right understanding. The next section is on personal training, dealing with anger, proper speech, good friendship, one, one's own good and the good of others, the intentional community, disputes, settling disputes, establishing an equitable society. And then he writes, just a little bit near the introduction, Buddhism sees personal transformation as the key to the transformation of society. A peaceful and harmonious society cannot be imposed from the outside by the decrees of a powerful authority that can only emerge when people rectify their, rectify their minds and adopt worthy standards of conduct. Thus, the task of promoting communal harmony must begin with personal transformation. Personal transformation occurs through a process of training that involves both outward displays of good conduct and inner purification. 
Following the traditional Buddhist scheme, this course of personal transformation goes under the headings of generosity, ethical self-discipline, and the cultivation of the mind. That kind of puts it in a nutshell. So if you're interested in this, your own personal cultivation, which I assume you are if you're here today, then this, there's a lot of different books out there these days. This is a really good one to look up. It's very practical. The, um, the name for scriptures, the original name for scriptures is Sutta, S-U-T-T-A. And um, it means strands or threads <coughs> with jewels on them. It's a beautiful definition for the words of the Buddha. And his teachings. Okay, so if we decide that we're going to study our life, which is really what Buddhism is about, and uh, and when we are determined to see, when we are determined to see the faith of face of truth, no matter how difficult, it is useful to cultivate a determination to sit through it all and to not react too quickly to anything we hear and we learn. What we need is to build a strong, stable, established routine of healthy, rational, heartfelt, moral behavior that we can rely on when our life gets turned upside down, either individually, in a family, in our community, in our countries. Ideally, it will become second nature, as we take this up, to regularly sit in meditation. Everybody thinks about doing that, I think. <laughs> no, but to actually do it regularly. So the first thing is to be, first thing is to uh, regularly sit in meditation because it's a real source of clear seeing and also our own I always say it, our own composting our own composting. The second thing is to spend time with the sangha. A group a sangha in Buddhism is a is a community and the community of people who are on the path, who are trying to see clearly and to respond to their lives with thoughts, words, and actions that are clear and, as Harabhaji Sunam said, kind. Okay. The next thing is to check in with the teacher. It's good to have somebody to talk to, to straight talk with. The fourth thing is to follow the precepts, which we did at the beginning, the Bodhisattva precepts. And the fifth thing is to respond thoughtfully, usually after taking some time to reflect rather than to react. If we take some time, we often are able to access 
beyond our habitual way of responding to things. Just think of the time when all of a sudden the answer came to you, when you gave up trying to figure it out. And as we meditate, we do these practices, we get in a position where we can take a little distance before we respond. So did you get those five things? Regular meditation practice. Spending time with the Sangha. Checking in with the teacher. Following the precept. And responding rather than reacting after taking some time. And I'd like to just give you a little clue on that one that I learned many years ago when I took my two daughters, I think they were about four and nine or ten at the time, to Santa Barbara, California, for uh, a retreat with Thich Nhat Hanh. How many have heard of Thich Nhat Hanh? And um, it was a big retreat. There were several hundred of us, parents and children, for I think it was about six days. And Thai taught us something which I have never forgotten. And he taught us it over and over again. And he had us drawing the same calligraphy symbol over and over again. So I'm going to teach it to you because then you can take it with you if you've learned it with your body. Sometimes if you learn things with your head, it's not good. Okay, so I'm going to teach it to you and then I'm going to tell you what it is. Okay, so imagine yourself. I used to teach it this way, but then actually then it was backwards. I have to teach it this way. Because somebody come to say, came to me and said, it's backwards. It was true. Okay, so the first thing and you have to get your arm up, it's ready. You've got your calligraphy brush and you make one line across horizontal. Okay, and the next one, are you doing? Yeah. Next one, bring a vertical line down close to the end. That's it. Now on that vertical line, make a little, another horizontal line. And then on that horizontal line, a little vertical line. And then a big circle around it all. How does it look? <laughs> okay. So, let's do it one more time and then I'll tell you about it. Ready? Horizontal, vertical, horizontal, vertical, and circle. Okay? It means stop. Look deeply and respond. So the kids picked it up. He had us draw it over and over again, and the kids draw it over and over again. So we had like a pile of papers where we had been doing, everyone did, because he wanted us to really get the idea. Stop, look deeply, and respond. Okay, so, 
I'm encouraging you to um, not necessarily to become a Buddhist, but look at some of the um, resources and the practices that we have to ennoble, ennoble your life. And I'd like to just also say um, that right now the Buddhist Peace Fellowship, which is a group of um, a group which is composed of Buddhists from all over the Americas, even some um, in Europe and Asia, and all different kinds of Buddhists, and it's a, actually um, a social activist organization. So at this time, I've been very interested in hearing what they're saying, what kind of practices do we need for these times? And they put it in terms of the three Bs. The first B means to block. The second B means to build. And the third B means to be. Let's look at what those mean a little more closely. Block means holding actions, to slow down destruction of habitats, the filling of prisons, the use of resources. So that's a blocking. And it takes maybe a person who wants to go out to South Dakota or something similar. The next one, because the Buddhist Peace Fellowship really is, everybody has different kinds of inclinations, is the build. And this is to work for sustainable ways. Great scope for creativity. Solar energy, collecting the plastic from the seas. There have been examples where a lot of creativity has come and is possible. Some of you may, that may be your niche. And the third is, the B one, is for people who are more contemplative, interested in values, perspective, clear seeing. And those would be the people who are working with the precepts and some of these guidelines that I was talking about. All three groups of people are necessary. And you may fall sometimes into each of the categories, but you may already know which of those categories is more you. I think the final thing, almost, is that um, finding your niche. My name is Haju, H-A-J-U, and um, it's my Buddhist name. My street name is Linda Lundquist. <laughs> Not so mysterious. <laughs> Haju, of course, when I was given the name, I wanted to know what it meant. And I was told that it means beyond wisdom. It was from the Diamond Sutra, beyond wisdom. And I couldn't take that very seriously. Beyond wisdom, to me, this must mean great stupidity. <laughs> so maybe there is some wisdom, but tempering it a little bit. But also it means to hold a place. To hold a place. And for 
I guess about 30 years I have been holding the place of the temple. But I think each of you could have the name Haji. Our teacher has always said, anyone can have your name. Anyone could be this name. So that every name can apply to every person. So, but in respect to this, in respect to this one personally, I think particularly um, that to hold a place, you have to each think what place you are holding as an artist, in your work, as a parent, whatever it is you're doing, how can we do it better? Because that holding of a place is, can be our contribution in these difficult times doesn't mean that we all have to block or build or be. But we do have, and we can do that, but we need to find a place where we can help things to be better. There were these wonderful women that were activists in um, Britain in the 1980s, I think. They were called the Women of Greenham. And from them came this. We know politics is the way you lead your life, not the way you vote. Leadership is taking what and who is around you and working out how to make it better. Violence should not always be met with violence. Protest is what you do when those you elect are not listening. And it can on occasion be powerful to dress up in fancy dress and sing. <laughs> in the end, my friends who've come out tonight to be here, it's all about non-duality. <coughs> that there really is no separation between us. That there really is oneness. But most of the time, before we get into some kind of spiritual practice, that's just in our heads. Of course we want to say yes, but until we have an experience of non-duality, that's when we can really act that it's true. And that's what we'll make it be. So I urge you to really cultivate your spiritual practice, whatever it is, so that you can really realize non-duality. And there's a, a little song I'm going to teach you finally that we can sing a couple of times together after I sing it first to you. And it's really about non-duality. No coming, no going. No after, no before, I hold you close to me. I release you to be so free, because I am in you, and you are in me. Because
because I am in you and you are in me. No coming.